Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome back to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. And welcome back. If you want to call us, we're at 877-474-3302. And uh, this week we had a absolutely miraculous plane landing in Newark in the ocean. And, and Marsha and I started talking about it and saying, gee, how did that happen and what's the technology yeah, really? behind it? And, and normally, Marsha, I refuse to have anybody in the show that has much more technical savvy than I do, but we've made a major <laughs> exception here. So please introduce our, uh, we're very excited about our guest today. Well, you know, I, I wanted to add something into that. You know, I fly 50,000 miles a year. And, uh, you know, the fact that the plane gets up and lands freaks me out altogether. Right. But what really freaked me out about what happened in New York this weekend, uh, this week, was the fact that they said birds brought down the engine. Right. And I know that all jet engines are tests with, tested with a chicken gun, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. So, you know, I was trying to find the most, the l- best authority I could find on aviation, and I think I did. Let me give you a little bit about him. Charles Justice is an experienced aviator, test pilot, professor, writer, and Ph.D. He began his career as a T-38 instructor in 1975. When he was five years old. When he was five, yes. Graduate of the Air Force Academy, uh, former officer of the United States Air Force, uh, did all kinds of stuff. He's developed the crew resource management program for NASA aviators, program manager for onboard training simulation system for the space shuttle pilots, and chief of aviation safety for NASA. So I think he knows something about why this plane went down and why we should feel safe. Absolutely. Um, Are you here, Dr. Justice? Absolutely, Marsha, with you. Well, thank you Uh, so much for being with us. We are thrilled and delighted to have you with us. I'm flattered that you guys asked me, Mark. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I mean, so, Marsha, I mean, Marsha and I know we both have a million questions to ask. Tell us a little bit about what you think happened with this landing of the plane in the ocean. How does that happen? Is that an unusually safe landing? I would assume it is. Well, it was a, uh, a brilliant job uh, done by the crew, uh, and uh, there's absolutely no two ways about that. And uh, we'll probably go into uh, the decision-making process and how they, they were trained and got to that point later, but the bottom line is they did a, a wonderful, wonderful job. And the fact that uh, it was brought down at all, obviously, is very rare. Uh, there are uh, historically some uh, double bird strikes in our, uh, you can go back to the databases and look back, and uh, on very few occasions in history have uh, uh, airplanes been brought down uh, by birds. This is one of the very, very few. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I, but I wondered about that. Now, I read that Pratt & Whitney tests all jet engines with a chicken ingestion test. <laughs> so technically, the jets aren't supposed to fail when birds fly in. How come they did this time? Well, the, uh, the, the notorious chicken gun test is a uh, you take a five-pound <laughs> chicken uh, or some other kind of bird, uh, of that same weight class, and you shoot it at uh, various speeds. Uh, this airplane ran into a Canadian goose is the uh, initial indication, which is a bird that's about three times that weight, uh, or can be. We're not exactly sure at this point what it was, but the, your, your typical Canadian goose, uh, you know, it can feed a family of ten and have a uh, bird left over. It's one of those kind of birds. That's it's a huge. big bird. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's, <laughs> right. it's exactly, if you're in Canada, I guess. But the bottom line is that... 
that uh, bird uh, was not alone. It had its friends with it. The, it the, all the indications are that it was multiple bird strikes uh, into the motors, uh, you know, both. So you're t saying that two or three birds, let's say, went into each motor. That's something you, you really don't test for because it never happens. That's now, what goes, what goes through the pilot's mind at this moment? Well, the very, yeah, the second thing that goes through his mind, of course, is... <laughs> I was going to say, the first thing you can't actually say on the air, so what was the second thing? Yeah, exactly. So the uh, uh, the first thing that uh, you are trained to do is, uh, you know, it's it's all decision gates is what we teach. That's part of what, uh, you know, CRM. The good news is the uh, captain on board this, uh, which uh, actually I should mention is an old friend of mine, so if I sound wow. biased, I am. Uh, but he came up with the CRM program uh, for U.S. Air, apparently, initially. Uh, so he knew it backwards and forwards. And you, you basically set gates. And the reason you do that is you want to make the decision before you even get in the cockpit. What do I do if I get to this point? You know, and make the decision now. And then I get there and it's like, okay, that's it. I got I to gotta go to the next step. I can't, I can't dally. And the first thing you try to do is start the motors if you have the airspeed and altitude. Uh, I don't know if he did, but he is very close to the very next decision gate, which is I'm too low to even be messing with this. I have to land. I have to find a place to land. Huh. I am guessing he was very close to, to uh, decision gate number two, uh, which is I got to land. Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, now you say, well, I would love to land on a, uh, a prepared surface, uh, a runway, uh, if I can. If I can't, the absolute worst thing I can do is put this down uh, into a, a city. Right. Uh, and I'm, unfortunately, if you're, you're familiar with the New York area, there's absolutely nothing but city around that airport. Uh, Except a nice river runway, correct? Mm. <laughs> it's, he had no choices. Uh, I looked at the, uh, the flight path, and i got to admit, I would have been sorely tempted uh, to go towards Teterboro, which is uh, a little jink to the right, and that would have been a momentary distraction because I would have eventually said, no, that's the wrong thing to do uh, because everything has to work absolutely perfectly for me, and there's just no way I can guarantee that. Uh, Sully did a brilliant job and brought it down brilliantly. It's just absolutely amazing. You know, I've seen enough Bruce Willis movies where, the, you know, the airplane lands on the freeway. I mean, you can't really do that, can you? Yeah, they, and uh, you can go on the web, and they have uh, uh, a bunch of those that people uh, uh, digitize those in in YouTube, and it looks really right. funny. But, oh, it's, it's next to impossible. The problem with uh, streets are you've got bridges, which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, was one of the things that would have uh, worried me on this particular approach is you've got the George Washington Bridge, which doesn't stick out of the water a little bit. I mean, it sticks yeah. out a ton, and uh, you've got to make sure you get over that because you don't want to entangle with that. You've got boat tra traffic you have to worry about. So I'm sure this was all going through his mind. He's, he's got to put this thing down. Nobody looks up to see if, a, you know, as you're in, a, in your boat on your ferry as a captain going across the Hudson, you say, oops, let's see if an Airbus is coming at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, so tell me, well, I was going to ask a little bit about the captain. What was his name, and you knew him? Where did you know him from? Oh, the Air Force Academy. We flew together there quite a bit. Uh, uh, he was an instructor pilot, which at that age is really, really rare. Very, very professional, even, you know, as puppies as we were uh, back then. Uh, we were all impressed by him. Uh, we were on the... Uh, uh, the uh, academy at the time, I don't know if it still does, had a precision flying team that you'd uh, compete around the country. So it was uh, it was kind of fun knowing him back then, but it was always very obvious uh, that he was a, uh, a you know one of the few aviators I've flown with, and I've flown with some incredible aviators. That was a, what I would call a true professional, even as a, a young kid. So. Well, 
I say young uh, kid, college uh, person. Well, one of the questions that, that I wonder is if, if you actually had to land it, is it the same concept of landing on concrete when you're landing on water or when you make that realization that you're going to have to land in water, how do you approach the water? Well, the, the, uh, uh, what we call ditching, which is landing in the water, uh, is uh, when you land, the, the problem is not over. Everybody, you know, usually in the cockpit after a landing, when I'm flying, they go, uh, oh, nice landing. I go, it ain't over yet. We're doing 100 knots. Everybody pay attention. <laughs> uh, so in the water, it's about 10 times worse than that because things are about to happen, and every single thing that can happen is bad. The airplane is, is built to uh, fly in the air. It's not built to be on water at all, mm-hmm. and it has holes in it. Uh, and uh, fortunately for uh, U.S. Air and uh, for Captain Sullenberger, the, uh, uh, they have a ditching switch on this particular uh, model of airplane, the the ditching switch closes all the outside holes that it can to make sure the water doesn't rush in any faster than it's going to anyway. Hey, good uh, thinking. Airplanes all <laughs> will tend to settle on their tail first. Uh, there's huge volumes in the back end uh, that are unpressurized, so they tend to fill up with water, which tends to be like a submarine. So that, that's the part that's going to go underwater. So everybody's got to climb up either to the over the wing, uh, and you, if you have time, you tell people this. Uh, so there's quite a few things. The actual landing itself, you try to land it as slow uh, as possible uh, with as uh, little sink rate as possible, which is pretty much every landing, but you, you really are, are focused on that there because uh, when you touch the water, it's going to uh, decelerate you very, very quickly, and it's going to tend to slap the uh, airplane down. Uh, the passengers mentioned that it felt like a roller coaster. That was that slapping down uh, that they felt. Now, it was mm-hmm. very gentle compared to what it could have been. You know, uh, uh, this flight really made me realize that even when I'm leaving LAX, I am going to look for that life vest under the seat. (laughs) I I always think, you know, oh, this is I'm flying all over land, but there's that little approach over the water. So I'm going to be more careful. Uh, Charles, could you tell us about the 90 seconds Uh, to evacuate the aircraft? Yeah, that's a requirement. And uh, it's a. Uh, a thing that the FAA actually tests you on. It's not uh, theoretical. It's, it's tested. Half of the uh, escape uh, routes have to be blocked, uh, and they have a certain number of people that are incapacitated. So it's, it's a very rigorous test. The lights are killed in the uh, uh, airplane, and uh, you only have the emergency lights, uh, which run on their own battery. So no matter what happens to the uh, airplane power system, these uh, power themselves. Uh, and you have to get everybody out of the airplane in 90 seconds. So that's And I, I understand the 90 seconds has something to do with the fuel in the wings? They, it, somebody somewhere came up, that's true, uh, somebody somewhere came up with the idea that uh, the airplane's going to catch fire, uh, blow up, uh, turn into a pumpkin, whatever, in 90 <laughs> seconds. Uh, so you had to set a, uh, a line in the sand at some point, and uh, 90 seconds is a, a good, solid uh, place to put it. So that drives actually how many uh, flight attendants you have on the airplane, uh, how many uh, escape routes you have to have for the airplane. It, it really drives a lot of the design and how you and, fly And it. did this work in, in this Airbus, which is a huge, huge plane with a lot of passengers? Yeah, and if it, people aren't familiar with the Airbus, this particular one is about the size of a, a 737, not to plug southwest, but they're the guys that fly them, so there you go. Mm -hmm. It's about that big. Uh, And they were able to get everybody out of the airplane almost immediately, uh, you know, and well before the thing sank, which is uh, uh, a fantastic feat, to the point that within two minutes, uh, people were getting picked up by ferry boats. Wow. How long do we have you, by the way? Uh, 
How long do you want me? Uh, till the end. Well, because I want to know. No, we have a No, I want to know more about the vomit comet and your flying the shuttle carrier aircraft and all that too. Oh, yeah, so okay. you, you can certainly, well, you know, you'll let us know when you, when you have to go, but we would, we're going to take a break in just a minute, and we would love to have you stay with us. Um, oh, and when we come back, I also like to ask you the question, will those planes, now I saw the pictures in the water, w- the plane was floating in the water. Was there a fear that it would sink at that point? Is it buoyant enough? So that's one of the questions. Uh, and what sec- about the luggage? <laughs> yeah, 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 you design your luggage. about all that. Yeah. Uh, also, I had an opportunity, um, very uh, pleased to have the opportunity here in Los Angeles. I host something called the Distinguished Speaker Series, where I've had some just phenomenal speakers that, that I work with, and one of them was Senator John Glenn. And we had an opportunity to talk a lot about space exploration and travel. And one of the things I'd love you to share with us is because sometimes people look at NASA and go, you know, why do we explore space? What, you know, what do we get out of that? It's really cool to go up in a shuttle. It's really cool to go in space. But how does that benefit mankind? And I learned a lot when I asked that question. I'd love you to share that with us, if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. That would be great. Uh, well, we are absolutely delighted to have you with us. And, uh, uh, Charles, don't go away because we're going to talk more about this, Marcia. This is uh, fascinating. I'm sure everybody listening is amazed at what happened with this plane landing. And uh, you fly a lot more than I do. Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, every time I got on an airplane, to me, it's like an adventure. I love getting on airplanes. Yeah, it's great. All right, when we come back also a little bit later in the show, we'll talk a little bit about gaming, if you like that, the Quantum of Solace game, the 007 game, which I have to tell you, I thoroughly Or enjoy. how about Flight Simulator? Flight Simulator, yeah, <laughs> we can talk about that, too. All right, we're going to be right back. Don't leave us. Great show ahead. Back with Dr. Justice, this is Marsha Collier, along with Mark Cohen on WS Radio, the worldwide leader in Internet talk. You are listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Well, the war is over, and just as I thought, Blu-ray is the winner. So what does that mean to you? Well, it means high-quality audio and video for your computer and your big-screen TV. Thanks to a new partnership between Philips and LightOn, or PLDS as I like to call them, because the world doesn't have enough acronyms, gives them access to hundreds of Blu-ray patents. LightOn has a long reputation for high-quality optical drives. PLDS products offer the highest quality at the most affordable prices. Blu-ray products are designed to give users the flexibility to burn Blu-ray discs and watch Blu-ray movies directly from your PC. PLDS has a great lineup of Blu-ray products to satisfy most consumer needs, including a new 4 times BD internal writer and an internal and external BD-ROM for easy playback of your favorite movies. To learn more about Philips and LightOn Digital Solutions and the new Blu-ray disc format, visit them at www.lightonamericas.com. Sales 101. It costs six to seven times more to get a new customer than it takes to keep a current customer. It takes, on average, seven touch points for a prospect to become a customer. I'm Jack Warren, Senior Sales VP of the WS Radio Networks, and I would like to let you in on one of our secrets. WS Radio has compiled hundreds of thousands of emails through dozens of targeted email lists. We stay in touch with our listeners, prospects via email, newsletters, and announcements. The man behind the scenes is the president of WS Radio known as Captain Email. Considered one of the top email marketers in the country, Captain Email is offering a free trial with no credit cards required, plus receive 10 proven email marketing tips on how to start and grow your own email marketing list at CaptainEmail.com. 
See for yourself how easy it is to do email marketing the right way at CaptainEmail.com. That's CaptainEmail.com. Does your business use the U.S. Postal Service? If you answered yes, whether you send mail or ship parcels, at Indicia, we can make it easy and quick to mail stuff right from your computer. Besides the obvious time saver, our software may help your bottom line. You see, the post office now offers discounts on online postage for priority and express mail. Indicia helps you take advantage of those discounts. Other benefits include money savings on online discounts for delivery and signature confirmation and integrated parcel insurance. It's all so simple. Indicia software is integrated into over 60 partner applications, so you can probably use Indicia right through your existing store or shopping cart management system. And forget about handwritten labels. With Indicia, you can easily use your own logos and artwork for a more professional look. It's cool. Indicia.com. Just when you thought life was getting too complicated, along comes Indicia. That's E-N-D-I-C-I-A dot com. Are you frustrated by how little you understand about your computer or word processor? Or perhaps you'd just love to sell some of your very cool stuff on eBay? Do you think that reading a tech book would be just as hard? Enter the For Dummies series, famous for making great and easy-to-understand books on how to learn just about any subject in the universe. They have books like Laptops for Dummies, or Flipping Houses for Dummies, or even, you know, eBay for Dummies. The best thing about Dummies books is they're easy to read, easy to understand, and great fun. I've personally used many Dummies books, and everyone in the Dummies series is truly a learning adventure. What are you waiting for? Get off the couch. Run over to your computer and go to your favorite bookstore and get a For Dummies book today. Visit Dummies.com where you can find over a thousand topics to choose from. There's a Dummies book for you and every member of your family. Dummies books are brought to you by the great folks at Wiley Publishing. I know you're going to love them. Being an online merchant has its rewards, but if you're so busy it leaves little time for marketing, here's a solution. Sales in a click, a one-of-a-kind email marketing service that drives sales and increases store traffic with little or no effort. Simply sign up and log in to see your polished and engaging e-newsletter ready to send. Fully automated and integrated with your eBay store or Pro Store store, your e-newsletter will feature your products, your branding, your store categories, and magazine-quality content. All you have to do is sit back and watch your sales increase. Each month, your customers and prospects will receive a polished and engaging e-newsletter that drives them back to your web store. And with our 60-day free trial, you can start sending your first e-newsletter only minutes from now. Visit salesinaclick.com slash radio and try your 60-day free trial today. It really is as simple as sales in a click. Information, news, and entertainment on demand. Log on, listen, and learn. Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome back to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. And welcome back, and we're having a great interview with Dr. Charles Justice, who is a test pilot, aviator, professor, writer, Ph.D., and Marsha, I'm delighted to see that uh, Charles got, from the University of Houston, uh, he got his degree in thermophysics and plasma dynamics. I got mine, too, on the Internet. 
It was really yeah, no, cool. I was homeschooled. Yeah, yeah, it was real. Charles, I was, it, it, was it as difficult for you to take yours as it was for me on the Internet? Well, I didn't do it on the Internet, so I don't know. Yours was probably My, pretty tough, too. It was a couple hours. I mean, you know, it took a Saturday <laughs> afternoon to do it. Uh, any, you know... Uh, anyway, for, uh, first question is, how buoyant are airplanes? I mean, when a plane, I know it doesn't happen very often, thank God, but when a plane like this lands in the water, how long will it stay in the water without sinking? And, uh, you know, the typical answer to that is it depends. Uh, we got really lucky with this one, of course. The, uh, the wings uh, stayed on, uh, which makes it a little more buoyant. They're filled up with uh, jet fuel, uh, and if, as long as the fuel tanks stay intact, uh, that keeps the airplane up a little bit. And uh, there was a, apparently a slow leak going, uh, slow as opposed to catastrophic leak, where it all just dumped out immediately. So that helped keep the uh, airplane up. Of course, it, it settled tail down uh, because the back end of the airplane is not pressurized. It's basically an empty tube, so that part fills up with water uh, and uh, tends to go down. But uh, it did a very classic thing. It ripped the uh, the motors off because they hit the water first or, or very soon after the tail does. Uh, depending on the landing attitude, and uh, but didn't do enough damage to really rip the wings open. It was uh, a very textbook, uh, but they don't stay up very uh, very long. Uh, yeah, I, that when I when I looked at the uh, the picture of it in the water, I thought, oh my god, thank God they got all these people out of there. Yeah, How did they it, get... uh, you know, once again, uh, it could have been a lot worse. The classic uh, failure of these is one of the wings gets uh, compromised somehow, uh, and the thing flips over. Uh, and that would have been a very different uh, uh, outcome, I'm afraid. So this was, uh, uh, once again, thanks to the landing uh, being uh, very symmetric. Uh, the forces that were put on the uh, airframe were uh, pretty much even on both sides uh, and very soft, as soft as could be. Uh, the uh, airframe integrity, as they call it, stayed uh, intact for a very long time. Amazing. You, you know, but what I really want to know, and this is going to be a tough question, um, if this landing or if this occurred on land could it possibly been as a soft landing as it was or would it have been more dangerous yeah uh, i mean without if, a runway if he could yeah if it's off a runway uh especially in that part of the world no this was uh and you know you got to remember i've had days to look at maps as you can imagine uh you know you, you second guess you say okay did sully do a good job let's let's pull the maps out you know, he had, you know, literally seconds. Uh, and uh, after days of looking, I don't have a better plan than he had immediately. So uh, that says a lot for his uh, his training and his uh, response. And, uh, you know, of course, he's got a different background than a lot of pilots uh, in the airlines because he was a uh, a light airplane driver. Uh, by that, I mean uh, they're, uh, you know, private uh, airplanes, small like ones. general aviation? Yeah, uh, you know, a prop job like a Cessna. Uh, he had uh, literally thousands of hours in those before he even uh, went to pilot training with the Air Force. Uh, so when you have a single-engine airplane of that class, you do a lot of engine-out practice. Uh, you pull the power back and say, okay, you got to land. You've just simulated you've lost the motor. And you do, you know, as an instructor, he would have done thousands of those, literally thousands. So once again, they, you know, that hasn't been brought up by the uh, – uh, anybody that I know of, but that kind of training is invaluable, and his decision had been made probably almost instantly just because of that, that practice he had. Hmm. It's amazing. Uh, no, so many more things we want to ask you, and we would love to you to stay with us through the news break if you can do that. Uh, what, how long is that? Oh, another about, uh, we're out for about six, seven, eight more minutes before we come back. Oh, sure. 
question. Oh, great. Okay, because we'd love to. Uh, the uh, uh, next question I have for you is, how do they get the plane out of the water and take it apart? And, and I want to know about NASA. Come on, and NASA. I want to yeah, hear about real... the space stuff. And most importantly, I want to hear about your new book that you've just written. Well, thank you very much. So we we definitely want to talk about that when we come back. And uh, thank and, uh, you so much. And uh, Mark, for you have to know, Charles' wife uh, Dana Steele is an amazing woman. She wrote a great book, Rock to the Top, and maybe Charlie can tell us a little about that. Oh, too. So, so now co-authors, huh? That's very uh-huh. exciting. That's very cool. All right. Well, we're, we're not going to keep uh, Dr. Justice too much longer. I know he's got things probably more important to do than he's talking gotta to He's got to be us. in the simulator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the vomit comet. Is that, uh, we want to talk about that, too. I All can't right. wait to hear it. Uh, me, too. we got exciting stuff ahead. Don't leave us. Great, great information. And we're going to find out about what is NASA, what does it do, and why do we have it again? We'll be right back. I want to know all that, too. This is Marsha Collier, along with Mark Cohen and Dr. Justice on WS Radio, the worldwide leader in Internet talk. You've been listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Produced by Brain Food Radio Syndication, global food for thought. The Internet revolution is just beginning. If you don't have your own website for personal or business use, then now is the time. Introducing FreeSpiritWebsites.com. For those of you who don't want the expense or aggravation of having a webmaster, your own website with no expensive fees to pay. Choose from over a 100 templates. Even if you have never built a website in your life, at FreeSpiritWebsites.com, it's easy. Reserve your own domain name for only $7.85 for one year. If you want FreeSpiritWebsites to host your site, hosting for a basic five-page website is only $4.95 per month. Advanced e-commerce sites are available as well. With FreeSpiritWebsites.com, there are no programs to learn or download. It's fun and easy for business or for pleasure. Your own website hosted for just $4.95 a month and a domain name for $7.85 a year. The name says it all. FreeSpiritWebsites.com Log on now to choose your own domain name. FreeSpiritWebsites.com Your one-stop shopping on the Internet place. Information, news, and entertainment on demand. Log on, listen, and learn. 